Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. chapter 6. Let me give you a little background here of what happened. We're going to start in verse 25, uh, but let me tell you what happened in the first 24 verses. John chapter 6, I believe, is when we see Jesus kind of make a turning point in his ministry. You will see in a few minutes the part that we look at, Jesus kind of gets serious with, with the people that were following him. He kind of asks them a serious question that questions leads to them making a decision for the Lord. And so Jesus kind of turns up the heat in his ministry a little bit here in John 6, starting in verse 25. But let me tell you about the first 24 verses. This chapter starts out when Jesus fed 5,000 people. We read that story a couple of weeks ago. We talked about that when Philip uh, didn't know how they were going to get the food. Remember, we talked about focusing on the Lord and how Philip's focus was not where it should have been. Philip's focus was on what they didn't have instead of what they did have with them, which was the person of Jesus Christ. So John chapter 6 starts with Jesus feeding 5,000 people. Following that, the disciples get in a boat and they head to Capernaum. On the way there, that is when Jesus walks on water. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. When Jesus walks on water um, and the disciples thought he was a ghost, they didn't know who it was coming up behind them walking on the water. And the Bible says that once Jesus got in the boat, um, the, the boat immediately reached the shore. Once they got to the shore the next day, all the people that ate the food the day before, all the 5,000 men and ten to 15,000 people who ate the food the day before they woke up looking for Jesus wouldn't you want to know where Jesus was at if he miraculously miraculously turned a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish into enough to feed 5,000 people wouldn't you want to know where he's at the next day right so they woke up want to know where Jesus went they knew his disciples had left um, they knew his disciples got in the boat and headed to Capernaum but they knew Jesus did not get in the boat and head to Capernaum but they didn't know where he was. So they got in a boat, they got in some boats, and they all went to Capernaum as well. And that's where we pick up John chapter 6, verse 25 says this. Then, uh, verse 25, yes, Jesus says this. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, now these, they, these are the people, these are the five, ten, to 15,000 people that just ate the bread and the fish the day before. Everybody follow Everybody got me? Okay, keep reading. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. By the way, if you ever need a master class in how to answer a question without answering a question, read Jesus. Jesus, he'll, he answers questions, but he doesn't answer the question. 
they asked him, said, how did you get here? And he starts talking about food. Keep reading. Verse 28. Then they asked him, what, was me, what, what must we do the, to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And we'll stop right there for today. So in this story, we see that Jesus has having a conversation with people that he just did a miraculous sign for. They asked him a question. He didn't answer. He starts talking about food. And then the people said, well, what sign do you have that you come from heaven? And Jesus said, well, the sign that you think are thinking about is the sign of manna, which is obviously in the book of Exodus when the uh, children of Israel were in the wilderness. They were hungry. They were starving. They got out of Egypt. They were spending their time in the wilderness, and God sent them manna from heaven, sent them food, sent them bread from heaven for them to eat while they were in the wilderness. And Jesus says, it was not Moses who sent that bread, but it was my father who sent that. And then these people asked Jesus, what are you going to do? What sign do you have? Completely forgetting they just ate food that come from, we'll get there in a minute. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to look at these people today. Next week we're going to look more about Jesus in this story. But today I want us to look at these people, these five to 10 to 15,000 people who earlier in the chapter, chapter ate the food that Jesus provided and then who followed Jesus to Capernaum. And I want us to learn, hopefully it's learned three things. Number one, number one, when Jesus' priority concerning you is more about your spiritual life than your physical life. Jesus' priority for you is more about your spiritual life than your physical life. Here's what I mean. These people came all the way across the lake. They experienced the bread and the fish and the little boy. They experienced all that. The next day they got up, Jesus was gone. They wanted to find Jesus. They were searching for Jesus. They all got in boats, went to Capernaum. They found Jesus. And they asked Jesus, how did you get here? And Jesus' words were them were, you're searching for me. You're looking for me, not because of who I am, but because you just ate the bread and the fish. Because you just had your tummy full, is what Jesus says. Because you just ate food, you ate free food. Can we say today that free food is always good food? I don't care what it tastes like. I don't care what it looks like. I don't. You feed me anything. I, don't, I didn't pay for it, I'll eat it and enjoy it. It's the best. So Jesus tells these people, you're not looking for me for me. You're looking for me because of what I just did. They were searching for Jesus for a physical need. They were searching for Jesus for physical reasons. They just experienced a physical blessing. By all means that we have food in our stomach today is a physical blessing. Amen? Amen? Yes. 
However, Jesus says, I'm not here only for the physical, I'm here for the spiritual. Jesus compares that physical blessing that these people received the day before to the spiritual blessing of him being the bread that never grows old from, sent from God the Father. Jesus' first priority when it comes to you and me is not physical, it's spiritual. Now, does, does that mean Jesus doesn't care about your physical life? No, of course not. One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture is in Mark chapter 2. You know the story. There was a guy who was paralyzed. He had four friends that wanted to take his buddy, to take their paralyzed friend to Jesus because they knew that Jesus could help. Jesus was in a house hanging out, teaching, preaching. There were so many people in the house, they couldn't get their buddy there in front of Jesus. So what they do? They dug a hole in the roof, and they lowered my man right there in front of Jesus. They went to Jesus seeking a physical miracle, Right? They wanted the paralyzed man to be able to walk out the door, and they thought Jesus was the one that could do it. They went seeking the physical. Who remembers the very first words Jesus said to him? Did he say, get up and walk? Eventually, but not first. The first thing Jesus looked at him, look it up, Mark chapter 2. He says, son, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Then later on, Jesus says, you know what? Pick that mat up, walk out the door. Does Jesus care about your physical life? No question. But he came for your spiritual life. Jesus left heaven and come to earth for your soul. He came and became sin so that you and I would have no sin, so that we could live forever in eternity with him in heaven. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. Now, he is more than capable to take care of us physically. He's more than capable to take care of our physical life and our physical bodies. But don't miss the fact that Jesus came for your soul. He is the forgiveness. He is the atonement. He is the justification for your soul, for what sin does to your heart, what sin does to your soul. Now, does he love you enough that he takes care of you physically? No question about it. But don't miss the fact that Jesus' number one priority is your spiritual life, is your so these people came to Jesus looking for a physical miracle, looking for another physical miracle. Their motivation was physical, which got me thinking this week about motivation. I've been going to the gym like once a week, okay, not like, <laughs> like I'm not like pumping it out every night, y'all, like. <laughs> Once a week for 30 minutes, okay, <laughs> not long. Uh, there's been a couple nights this week. I usually go in the evenings after kids go to bed. I'll ride to Thomasville, go to Planet Fitness with all the young kids in there, and then me. They're all over there sweating, pumping that iron, and I'm over there, got that incline on that treadmill set at 8.5, climbing that hill. Huffing and puffing, sweating in about two and a half minutes of workout time. And about 20 minutes of that, I'm ready to go home. On the way back home, though, I stop at Sheets. 
a sun-kissed. I get a sun-kissed on the way back home. And several nights throughout the week, I'm thinking, I ain't going tonight. I'm good. I'm tired. My legs are sore. My motivation is gone real quickly. <laughs> well, that 20-year-old 20, Michael would have had motivation no matter what. 40-year-old Michael's like, eh, if I get there, I get there. If I don't, I won't. What's the big deal? These people, their motivation, whole motivation for getting to Jesus was physical. And Jesus hit them with some spiritual preaching, which got me thinking this week. What's our motivation? What's our motivation for being here this morning? Like if you had to make a list, I came to church because dot, dot, dot. I worship, I sing these songs, I praise the Lord because dot, dot, dot. I spend time reading the word because I spend time in prayer because I believe today we'd probably have a lot of different reasons, a lot of different motivations of why we do what we do. But my prayer is that our motivation is more spiritual than physical. My prayer today is that our motivation to doing what we do for being here on Sundays, for singing, worshiping, praying, giving, loving, sacrificing, forgiving, our reasons for doing all these things is more spiritual than physical. My prayer for me this week while thinking about this, this thought this week is that my motivation, my reasoning, my, the, reason, the, why, the why because of the what I do is all about Jesus. It's all about my heart connecting with his heart. It's about me growing closer to him. It's about me knowing him better. It's about me loving like him, acting like him, walking like him, praying like him, talking like him, sharing like him, giving like him, and less about my physical needs today. These people, their motivation was physical. While Jesus can take care of the physical, and we should thank God for him taking care of the physical, amen? His first priority is your heart. His first priority is your soul. The most important thing to the Lord this morning is your forgiveness, is your redemption, is heaven, is atonement. Is Jesus enough to take care of my physical pain? Yeah. Is he enough to provide for my finances? Yep. Is he enough to take care of relationships that I have in my Yeah. But he's here for your heart. Amen. Second thing I want us to look at and notice here about these people. One is they came looking for a physical uh, miracle, and Jesus shared with them a spiritual miracle. The second thing I want us to look at is that there's a difference between a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Spoiler alert, in verse 66, several verses down after this, the Bible says that from this time on, many of his disciples, many of the people that were there that day, 
Many of the people that ate the bread, many of the people that ate the fish, many of the people that crossed over the lake, many of the people that heard Jesus talking in this very instance. The Bible says in verse 66, from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They ate the bread, they ate the fish, they followed the next day. Jesus teaches them about about him being the bread of life. And the word says in verse 66 that many of them turned away. Many of them no longer followed Jesus. There's a difference between being a fan of Jesus, of being a person that wants to be a part of Jesus, of being a person that wants to see the miracle, that wants to be a part of the church, being the person that wants to be a part of the family, of being a fan of Jesus, and being an actual follower of Jesus. Here's what the difference looks like. A fan thinks, man, Jesus is a good idea. A follower says... Jesus is the only idea. A fan says, I'll do it if I get time to it. A follower says, no matter what. A fan says, I'll keep this up if it keeps going good for me. But if it doesn't, we're going to try something else. A follower says, where else would I go? What else would I do? I have no other options. A fan has no commitment, no sacrifice, no passion, and a follower pushes everything else aside and says, I follow no matter what. We see people in this story later on, and we'll talk talk about this a little bit more tomorrow, but they left. They turned their back. Why? Because there was no commitment. There's no commitment. They were fans of Jesus. They wanted to see what Jesus did. They wanted to see the spectacles. They wanted to see the feeding of the 5,000. They wanted to see the walking on the water. But there was no commitment to the Lord and to Jesus. How many of you know that when you make a commitment to the Lord, it's going to cost you something? Lots of times we like to think that I'm going to follow the Lord and just keep doing everything the same. Nothing's going to change. No, that's not what the Word teaches. When you follow the Lord, when you're with Jesus, it will cost you something. It may cost you time, relationships, priorities get changed around. Things that used to be important become not so important. It will cost you something. There'll be things in your life that you have to switch. There'll be things in life that he calls you to leave behind. There'll be new things in life that he calls you to pick up and start doing. It will cost you something. There may be relationships in your life that you have to cut off, that he calls you to stop. There'll be new relationships in life that he calls you to start and to be a part of. But make no mistake about it, to be a follower of Jesus, it will cost you something. There's a story in the scriptures of a young man known as the rich young ruler come up to Jesus and asked him, what must I do to go to heaven? And Jesus listed off five of the Ten Commandments. He said, I got that, no problem. So then Jesus listed off, uh, said, listen, I want you to take all your possessions, sell them and give it to the poor. He's like, uh-uh. And then Jesus kind of drops the bombshell when he says the words, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. 
Why did Jesus compare following him? Why did Jesus relate following him with a cross? You know what the cross is, right? Obviously. It's death. It's execution. It's destruction. It's the end of something. It's murder. It's something being stopped. Why would Jesus correlate death to following him? Because to follow him will cost you something. It will cost you your life. Being a follower of Jesus and not a fan of Jesus is all about submission. It's all about you laying down your life and picking up your cross, denying yourself, giving up your hopes and dreams and goals and aspirations, and following where the Lord leads you. Living His life, living His blessings, living His ways and His words. It's all about you denying yourself and choosing Jesus. What does it mean to choose Jesus? You know what it means to choose Jesus because you face it every single day of your life. Your sinful nature, your godly nature, they headbutt every single day of your life. And that's where we have to decide, that's where you have to decide in the power of the Holy Spirit that I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus over what? Yes. I choose Jesus over my job. Yes. I choose Jesus over my finances. I choose Jesus over a big house, a nice car. I choose Jesus over my friends. I choose Jesus over my family. I choose Jesus over the culture. I choose Jesus over the politics. I choose Jesus no matter what. Why? Because I have denied all this other stuff. Now, does that mean you can't have friends and family? No. Does that mean you can't have a house and a car? No. But it means that stuff has no control over you. Because Jesus has control over you. That's what being a follower of the Lord is all about. It's about you laying down your life. Following Jesus will cost you something, and it will cost you your life. Number three. The third thing we notice about these people is that they are looking for evidence. They come to Jesus and say, what sign do you have? What sign do you have that you're from heaven? Can you believe these people? If my son, who's eight years old, who lives in my house that I pay for, I pay the power bill, the water bill, the internet bill. Me and his wife pays for the food. Me and my wife pay for the food. His wife. Well, she would get married and she'd start paying for our house. That'd be sweet. be sweet. We provide everything he needs. Clothes, food, entertainment, video games, TV, desserts. We provide it. We provide relationship, love, forgiveness, acceptance, all that kind of good stuff. If that punk kid ever comes to me and says, what have you done to show me that you love me? Y'all, I'm slapping him. (laughs) Call CPS. Chelsea, I'll be in touch pretty soon. (laughs) 
I, I, will, I will plead guilty because I will be guilty. <laughs> well, what about, what about giving an elbow drop off the top rope? Is that, is that considered parenting? Like Macho Man Randy Savage style. Like, kid, the evidence is all around. Look at your house. Look at that roof over your head. Because we love you. Food you eat. Clothes you have. We let your friends come over. Put together that bicycle for you. Threw my back out for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what these people here said. They asked Jesus, said, what sign do you bring? What sign do you have? What are you going to do, they said, to prove to us that you are who you say you are? Now, let's just think back. This is in John chapter 6. Let me give you a recap, a rundown of what happened in John chapters 1 through 5. Now, this is not the birth of Jesus. is not written in John. But these people knew about the birth. They knew about Mary and Joseph. They knew about Mary being a virgin mom. They knew about the immaculate conception. They knew they had heard the stories about the virgin birth. They knew about the baptism of Jesus with John the Baptist. They knew about the wilderness. John chapter 2, we, we see Jesus start doing some work in the Gospel of John. And what we see is Jesus turned water into wine, provided a need. They knew about that. We see in John chapter 3, he had a conversation with Nicodemus. Now, nobody knew about this because Nicodemus had it at nighttime, so nobody wouldn't know. So they didn't know about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed. They didn't know about that yet. We see in John chapter 4, Jesus had a conversation with a woman, with a Samaritan woman at a well. And after that, the whole town of Samaria was transformed because of this conversation that Jesus had with this woman. We see in John chapter 5, Jesus healed an invalid by the pool that had been sitting there for 38 years that couldn't get into the water for healing. Jesus healed him in John chapter 5. And we just talked about in John chapter 6, we see that Jesus fed 5,000 men, maybe 10 to 15,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread, a couple of fish. They had more than enough to eat where they had leftovers. And then he walked on water after that. I think the walking on water part for me would do it. Right? You too? Like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. After all that, they come to Jesus and said, what must you do? What must you do? What are you going to do? What sign you got? What is it? We're looking for it. We need to see it. What if I told you, and what if I, Jesus would have told these people, the evidence has been there the whole time and you just haven't seen it? What if I told you today, you have enough evidence in your life to trust Jesus with your life? You just haven't seen it. It's there. It's there. The problem is, the reason these people didn't see it, and the same reason we don't see it, is because they are seeking a miracle and not seeking the miracle maker. They are seeking the created things. They are seeking what Jesus can do for them and not seeking Jesus himself. Y'all, we've talked about this before. Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Life is not about all of these things because without the Lord, all of these things do not exist. These people were looking for these things, and the evidence was right in front of them. 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was right there. And they missed it. I hope we don't do the same. How many of you know that every good and perfect gift comes from above? James chapter 1. How many of you know that the word says that we have received blessing after blessing upon blessing? John chapter 1. Every good thing in your life today is evidence of Jesus being who he is and doing what he said he would do for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it by seeking the miracle and not the miracle maker. Don't miss it by seeking the things that he can do for you and miss out on the one that can do those things for you. It's only when we seek him will all these things be added unto us. It's only when we seek him will we start to see the evidence around us. So today, if you find yourself in a spot like these people, where you're searching for Jesus, where you're looking for the Lord, where you find yourself crossing over to the other side of the lake, looking for Jesus, can I share with you two quick things? Number one, he's there. He's available to you. If you're looking, you can stop looking. He's there. You found him. And number two, the evidence of his goodness is all around you. Now, what we don't read in this story, and we'll talk a little bit about next week, but I want to end it with you today. This evidence, Jesus it requires, and he required these people to make a decision. Like I told you earlier in verse 66, their decisions, some of their decisions were to leave. And say, forget this junk. They even say, this teaching is too hard. Who can do it? Jesus' evidence, Jesus' words, Jesus' teachings always lead to you and I to make a decision. Of whether we're going to follow or whether we're going to roll out like these people. And the same is true today. The evidence around you requires a decision. Requires you to decide, I'm in. I'll follow. I'll go. You lead, I'll go. You say, I'll do. I'm in. Or it leads us to be like, eh. I don't think so. I don't think so. Let's go try something else. The decision is there, and the decision is yours and mine that we have to make every single day of our life. Because following the Lord is not a one-time decision. It'd be great if it was, but the enemy attacks every day. Amen? The enemy tempts every day. And we need his power every day. So the decision is yours and mine today. We see the evidence. Are we going to follow? Or are we rolling out like these people did? That's what you have to decide for yourself. 
And that's why my prayer is for you and for me, is that we're followers. We're not fans. We choose Jesus over everything else. We trust, we submit, we give up, we deny, we pick up our cross, and we follow him. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today, and we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this story here where people are searching for Jesus, where people are looking for Jesus, and you make yourself available to them. God, thank you for being here for us. Thank you for being here with us. God, thank you for not hiding yourself. Thank you for not retreating away from us, but God, your word says in Jeremiah that when we seek you, we will find you when we seek you with all of our heart. So God, thank you today for being there for us. And God, thank you today for the way you have blessed us, for your word, for our physical blessings in our life. God, I pray that we will not overlook our physical blessings, and I pray that we will not overlook our spiritual blessings. Your word says in Ephesians that we have received every spiritual blessing that we need today. God, thank you for grace, for mercy, for healing, for forgiveness, for direction, for love, for patience. God, thank you for your spiritual, um, your spiritual blessings on our life today. And God, today I pray for my family, for my friends, that when we're faced with the evidence of you being who you are and what you have done for us. God, I pray today that we will make a commitment, that we will follow, that we won't be a fan, but we'll be a follower, that we'll deny ourselves, that we will give up our life, and we will pick up our cross and follow you. Lord, thank you today for you being who you are and for what you have done for us. And God, help us to follow you today. Lord, I love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.